the Spirit of the Lord, God, to be in this place today. We plead the blood. And we praise you, God. We give you all the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit today about a giver. God says he loves a cheerful giver. There's two kinds of people in this world. There's givers and there's takers. There's givers and takers. You don't want to be a taker. You don't want to be here for what you can get, but you want to be a giver. You want to be a giving person. The Bible doesn't say God loves cheerful giving. He does, but he loves cheerful givers. Now listen, a giver is what we're supposed to be. A giver is what we're supposed to be. If I am what I'm supposed to be, I will do what I'm supposed to do. The Bible says you should receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, if I am a witness, I will witness. People don't go soul winning. They don't care about souls because they're not soul winners. And people don't give because they're not givers. We need to be giving people. We need to be the kind of people that are a blessing to people wherever we go. Now, let me say this as we get started here, and we got a very short time. I can teach you, but I can't learn you. A teacher teaches. A student learns. Now, listen. When it comes to being a giver, knowing about giving and knowing about being a giver doesn't make you a giver. It's the doing. It's the doing. The Bible says be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you come to church and you hear the message and you go home and you don't practice it, it didn't do anything for you. We do not grow in our Christian life by knowing. We grow when we know and when we do. When we put into practice what we've learned. So you can hear me talk here. I could preach for two days on giving, but you wouldn't be a giver until it sinks down in your soul and you start doing what, you, what you've heard about. Now, Matthew chapter number two. How many people have a Bible? Let me see your hand. You got a Bible? All right, look at Matthew, first gospel, Matthew chapter two. And I want to say some things this morning about giving. In verse number 11, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Now, the, the, the they here is the wise men. Jesus is just a little baby, just a little boy. And these wise men came, and they came to worship him. They heard that the king of the Jews was born, and they came to worship him. Notice this. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down. Listen, they didn't worship her. They worshiped him. When I got married, I got married in a Catholic church. My wife was the oldest of 12 kids, and we got married in the Catholic church. And that church is right down the street from the church I pastor now. When we got married, there was a giant statue of Mary over on this side of the church. And in the middle of the wedding ceremony, my wife took her bridal bouquet and she went down and she kneeled in front of that statue of Mary and prayed. Can I tell you something? Listen, that is blasphemy. That's blasphemy. God, we, the, we worship the Lord God and him only do we worship. So the Bible said they came in and they fell down and worshipped him. 
And they opened their treasures, and they presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, why did they come? They came what? To worship him. And how did they worship him? They fell down, and they gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, my first point is this. Giving is part of our worship. A lot of churches, they say, we have our worship service, and we are supposed to worship the Lord our God. When, when, this, when Satan came to tempt Jesus, he said, you fall down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, it's written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou worship. We're here to worship the Lord this morning. Now, sometimes this morning, we're going to take up an offering. And a lot of times in our churches, the offering just seems to be a ritual. It just seems to be a routine. It's almost like a break in the service. And it's kind of like a necessity. It's something that we're compelled to do. But we don't realize a lot of times that when we put our money in that plate, we are worshiping God with our offering. We don't, listen, we don't, I don't give my money to the church. I give my money through the church. I give my money to the Lord. I don't work all week just to give my money to some church. I want to take what God has given me and I want to give back part of that. But I give it through the church because that's where we're supposed to do. The church, the local church is God's authority on earth. Now, Look over in 1 Peter, if you can find it. Chapter number 2. It says, you are a chosen generation, verse 9. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That doesn't mean a bunch of oddballs, but it means we're, we're God's own people. We're his property. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hey, listen, when God saves you, he calls you out of darkness. He, he came, listen, he came to save us from our sin, not to leave us in our sin. I, I believe, listen, I believe in deliverance. I believe God saves people, God delivers them and calls them out of darkness. Now, in that verse that I just read, it said, ye are a holy priesthood. I'm a Baptist, I'm a Bible-believing Baptist. We believe in the priesthood of the believer. You say, what does that mean? Here's what it means. In the Old Testament, there were two people. One was the priest, one was the prophet. Now, the prophet represented God to the people. When God wanted to speak to the people, he spoke to the prophet, and the prophet spoke to the people. When God wanted to tell the people of Israel something, he told Moses, and Moses told the people. So the prophet represented God to the people. The priest represented the people to God. So when the people wanted to come and bring a sacrifice to God, they brought it to the priest, and the priest offered the sacrifice. Not everybody could offer a sacrifice. You had to be a priest. If you remember, King Saul offered a sacrifice. He was the king, but he wasn't a priest, and God removed him from being king because he wasn't supposed to sacrifice. Now listen, today we are priests. I'm not talking about Roman Catholic. I'm not talking about a robe. But I'm talking about we go right to God. We don't go to somebody to go to God for us. And what we do as New Testament priests, 
we offer our sacrifices to God. Now, look over in Hebrews chapter number 13. That's a left-hand turn from 1 Peter. And in Hebrews chapter number 13, and I'll pick up verse number 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Now, praise is part of our worship. And as a New Testament priest, I'm always praising God. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. In the Bible, God tells us to praise Him more than anything else. Out of all the things the Lord tells us, we're told to be praising God more than anything else. So as a New Testament priest, when I come in on Sunday morning, when I'm singing, I'm not singing to you. I'm not singing to the person next to me. I'm not singing to myself like I'm in the shower. I'm singing to God. That's my worship. I'm here to praise the Lord. I love praising the Lord. I love singing. That's part of our worship. In the Old Testament, man, God had singers. And he had people on the instruments. The the longest book in the Bible, the Psalms, is for praising the Lord. So one of the ways, as a New Testament priest, I worship God is with my praise And then he says this, but to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That word communicate doesn't mean like we talk to each other, but it's talking about giving. So it says God is well pleased when we communicate, when we give to God. So when I come in on Sunday morning, I always have something planned ahead of time, what I'm going to give the Lord, and that is part of my worship And I I adore him and I love him and I offer that to the Lord. So giving is part of worship. And we just got to point one. Now, let me skip ahead here a little bit. Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Luke chapter number 6 and uh, verse number 38. When you get there, I want you to read it with me. How many people are there? Let me see your hand. Luke 6, 38. All right, we're going to read together. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Now, God blesses giving. God blesses giving. He says, give And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running over. God will bless you for being a giver. God will bless you for giving. Now, here's what the Bible says. Give and it shall be given unto you. What is the it? How many people know what the it is? You know what we all think it is? We all think it's money. Well, we're, we're talking about giving. We must be talking about money. No, we're not talking about money. It is whatever you want it to be. Whatever you give, whatever you reap, you're going to sow. You with me? We have a little young lady just graduated from school, Amelda. Little Spanish lady in our church, little Spanish girl just, just graduating high school. And uh, she works in the diner in our town. And uh, she just started waitressing. She was a hostess. 
And I said, Imelda, I said, how are you doing with the waitressing? She said, man, I'm doing great. She said, the other night I got $110 in tips. And I said, Imelda, how did you get those tips? She said, I just keep smiling. Now listen, if I come in here and I'm all smiley happy, most people are going to be smiley happy back. Now the other night we were on vacation and my granddaughter, they didn't give her the food that she ordered. And when she went back to tell the guy, he said, I can't do anything about it. That's your problem. So I go over there like a grandfather. And, man, I'm nasty. I'm like, I'm in your face. I'm going to grab you by your neck, pull you over the counter. And my son's standing there. And uh, the guy said something like, well, he's not respecting me or something. I said, well, I'll leave. But, but coming on strong wasn't getting it done. If, you're, if you come on strong, they're going to come back strong. Soft answer turneth away wrath. So whatever, listen, whatever, you know, what, what's the, the uh, what do they call it, the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I want my wife to love me. Been married 52 years. And I'll say to my wife, I'll say, do you love me? She'll say, I'm still here. <laughs> now listen, I want my wife to love me. You know how I get my wife to love me? I love her. So what do you want from people? Want people to respect you? Want people to be nice to you? Want people to like you? Well, whatever you want to get is what you give. Whatever goes around comes around. Remember that? All right? Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, running over. Now, let me say this. God will bless you for giving. But receiving is not the reason we give. Receiving isn't the reason to give. It's a reward for giving. If I give to receive, I'm really not a giver because I'm just trying to get something. So my motive really isn't if I give, you know, if I give a dollar, God's going to give me $100. That's not the reason. God will reward you, but that is not the reason we give. It's a reward from God. Let me say this. The least you can give is money. Luke chapter number 16 and verse number 10. We think the most we can give is money, but God doesn't need money. He that is faithful, Luke 16, 10, and that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust and that which is least is unjust also in much. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous manner, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, here's what God says. He says money, material things, that's, that counts less. That's the least thing. He says, but if you haven't been faithful with the least, God won't trust you with the greatest. Here, here's, let me say this. Young people, look at this. Giving is a test. Giving is a test. God tells us we're supposed to give. God tells us we're supposed to be good stewards. God tells us we're supposed to tithe. And here's what he says. If you can't be faithful with the least, how can I trust you with more? A lot of us, we have a test going on, and we don't even know we're taking the test. But that is a test from God. If God can't trust you with a little thing, God won't trust you with a big thing. Hey, if you can't be faithful with a little job, with a little class, with a little ministry, God's not going to give you a bigger one. At one time, I had one person 
in my Sunday school class. I had a deaf young man. He's still in our church like 40 years later. But I had one deaf man, and I wasn't a very good signer, and he wasn't very good at signing. And, and he was my Sunday school class. Another time, I had four- and five-year-olds. Now, usually ladies take care of four- and five-year-olds. But I want to do something for God, and they needed a four- and five-year-old teacher, so, so I did it. Now, looking back, I tried to be as faithful as I could be. But if I hadn't been faithful with that little thing, God wouldn't have given me more. So you need to learn to be faithful. Wherever you have, whatever you're doing, if you are the trash person, take out the trash faithfully. If you clean the church, clean it. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And learn to be faithful. Learn to be faithful with your schoolwork. Learn to be faithful. Everything you do, and God will bless you for it. 1 Kings chapter number 17. I don't have time to turn there, but I'm going to just say something. In 1 Kings 17, there's a man, Elijah. Elijah is the man of God, and he prays, and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Can you imagine what that grass would look like if it hadn't rained three and a half years? And Elijah is down by the brook Kirith, and God's feeding him, faithful, God's faithful. Every morning the ravens come, every night the ravens come. But after a while, that brook begins to dry up. And God sends him to a lady, a widow that doesn't have a husband. She's got a little boy, and she lives in a town called Zarephath. And he sends Elijah there, and he says, that widow lady's going to take care of you. And when Elijah gets there, he says, I want you to make me a little cake. And she says, well, I only have enough meal and enough oil for just one more meal for me and my son. And then we're just going to eat it and we're going to die. And you know what Elijah says? He says, you give me the little cake first. Now, he's speaking for God. And what God is saying to that lady is, you put me first. And you know, it's amazing. She takes that meal and that oil And she gives him that cake. But guess what? Every day she goes back to that barrel and there's enough meal in there for one more day. And every day she goes back to that cruise and there's enough oil for one day. Now here's my point, and I'm I'm running out of time. You don't have to have a lot to be a great giver. We think a great giver is a millionaire. We think a great giver is a billionaire. Some of you are poor. I grew up poor. My wife grew up poor. You don't have to have a lot to be a great giver. This woman was dirt poor. She, listen, she gave what she couldn't live without. She gave what she couldn't afford to live. And you know what? God blessed her and God kept replacing it. And God kept giving back to her. Amen. So even if you're poor, you don't say, well, yo, that's not for me because I don't have anything to give. Listen, everybody has something to give. I never pray, God bless everybody gives and bless them that don't have anything to give. Everybody's got something to give. You can, you can give yourself to God. You can give your heart to God. Let me give you one more thought. Mark 12, 41. I'm going just a little long, brother. I'll be done in a minute. Mark chapter 12, verse 41.
Mark chapter 12, verse 41. And um, Jesus sat against the treasury. He was opposite the treasury. And he beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Jesus was watching what people give. God still watches everything we do. Whenever an offering comes up in the church, God's watching. He knows what you give, what you should give. And there came a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. Now, I don't know how much a mite is, but I know this. It isn't very much. It might be like a penny, or it might be less than a penny. But she took this money, and she put it in this plate. She gave it to God. And he called unto him his disciples. He said, I want to teach you boys something. He said, verily I say unto you, truly I say unto you, this poor widow has cast in more than all them which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now, here's my last point. Who is the biggest giver in this church? Who do you think the biggest giver in this church is? You say, well, that's the one that puts the most money in the plate. It may be, but that's not necessarily true. The Bible said there were people that came to the treasury, and they were rich, and they put a lot of money in. And this widow came, and she was poor, and she only put a little bit in. But here's what Jesus said. She has put in more than all of those other people. Because she put in all she had. It isn't the person that puts the most money in that's necessarily the biggest giver. There's a lot of people, they can give a lot of money and they don't even feel it. They don't miss it. It doesn't change the way they live. But there's poor people and if they just put a little bit in, they have to sacrifice We started raising money to build our new building. This was about 20 years ago. And I had a man in the church, and he said, Preacher, he said, we're so tight on money. We we do our tithing. We give to the church and everything. He said, we really don't have any, we don't have a nickel over to give. But he said, here's what we're going to do. He said, Friday night, me and my wife always get a pizza. And he said, we're going to give our pizza money to the building fund. Now, we had people put $25,000 into that building fund at one time. This pizza money was probably about $15. But the guy with the $25,000 may not have been the biggest giver. I'm all done. Look at me, young people. Be a giver. Be a giving person. Don't be a greedy person. I got tons more I'd like to tell you. I don't have time. You remember the story about... Ebenezer Scrooge, he had all, everything you could have, but he wasn't happy. Things never make you happy. The Lord will make you happy. Living for God will make you happy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Be a giver. You'll be a happy person. Father, bless this message to our hearts in Jesus' name.